Don't you just love Josh's passion? Josh, you need to get them raising their hands and and uh, get get that passion like uh, David had. He would he'd started dancing. Uh, but uh, speaking of that, uh, Wednesday night in our men's class, we were watching Patrick Mead video, and uh, anyway, uh, Alan was sitting near me, and I, I noticed he was getting pretty emotional during during the the service. It was a really good talk. And he, he got to raising his hands. And, and, his, and, and so I was pretty impressed with his spirituality. And then I got over there looking. He had his glasses. <laughs> and he, he's sitting up there. So we got, we got to laughing and talking about, we, uh, like this song, our, our, you know, How Great Is Our God. And James, that was, that was the time we were talking about all the guys ought to start cleaning their glasses when we do that. And if you don't wear glasses, just start winding your watch, you know. But uh, it's scriptural. Lift your holy hands. Uh, A young girl was sitting in her granddaddy's lap, and she started running her hands all over his face, and she started staring at his wrinkles. She asked, Granddad, did God make you? He said, yes, he made me a long, long time ago. He said, did God make me? He said, yes, honey. He made you a very short time ago. The little girl pondered for a minute. and She said, well, he's getting better at it. Uh, uh, and that's hitting pretty close to home. Uh, you know, we either laugh or cry about it, don't we? Um, you know, when I was growing up, I'm sure my parents were like a lot of your parents. They were frugal. Uh, they were post-World War II, post-Depression. And uh, I remember my two brothers and I would go to basketball games and high school football games with my parents. Now, they had a rule. Don't, don't ever even think about trying to get a Coke or a bag of popcorn at the concession stand because uh, it wasn't going to happen, okay? They were wise spending their money. And when our, ki- our kids, Boone and Summer, were young, and uh, uh, sometimes we'd go to Walmart and start shopping, and, you know, they'd start eyeballing that aisle that's got the toys in it. And, and you know, even before the begging started, we were ready. You know, you don't need that, or you already got something like that at home. And uh, all the begging in the world was not going to change our minds, and they knew that uh, because we were a lot like our parents and, you know, to further back that up, James Dobson said we were right, too. So uh, we had that as well. Well, about seven years ago, uh, we were in Walmart with my two grandsons, and we were walking toward the auto department because I needed to get an air compressor. And, uh, well, on your way to the back there, you walk by the toy aisle. And uh, sure enough, uh, the boys... They started eyeballing this Star Wars paraphernalia and stuff. Uh, so anyway, uh, when it was all said and done, I, I mean, I bought them the store. I mean, I, whatever they wanted on that toy aisle, I bought it for them. Uh, and guess, guess where we go shopping every time they come from out of town? Uh, they they want to go to Walmart. Uh, but I, I love giving them gifts. 
In fact, giving is one of my favorite topics, and that's why I asked James if I could speak today. Uh, And nobody in the Bible talks about giving more than Jesus did. He talked about it all the time. And he was constantly talking about the way uh, that money and giving and, and our stuff affects our lives. So why did God and Jesus talk so much about giving? Uh, Do they need our money? Do they need our stuff? Our first scripture in Psalm 50, verse 17, he says, I'm the Lord your God. I have no need for a bull from your stall or of goats from your pens. For every animal in the forest is mine and the cattle on a thousand hills are mine. If I were hungry... I would not tell you, for the world is mine and all that is in it. So that's blatantly apparent to me. God doesn't need our money. God doesn't need our stuff. So that's not his motivation for us to give, is it? So what's another possible motivation? I'll tell you what some people think giving is about. They think giving is about the church or it's about God's kingdom. And it's not about either one of those. It's about you, and it's about me. I've got two points, uh, two truths about giving we're going to discuss this morning. And, and hopefully when we get this whole giving thing down, uh, it's going to radically change the way you view the spirituality of giving. So here are two points, and I'm going to give you the answers before the test. Uh, One, God wants you to test Him with your giving. He wants you to test Him. And the second point is Jesus commands us to store up for ourselves treasures in heaven. So let's break these two down. We're going to start with Malachi. Get my scriptures here. Malachi 3, 7 through 10. Ever since the time of your ancestors, you've turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. You know, God gave the Israelites the land of Canaan. Things go good for a while. They forget about God. They do their own thing. And then they return to God. And then they forget about God. And then they return to God. And God says, return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, how are we to return Will a mere man rob God? You rob me, but you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings, you're under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. Test me, he says. Test God. Uh, that scares me to death to think about testing God. Uh, you remember when Solomon, when he finished his, his life, he said, Fear God and keep his commandments. 
He's the eternal God. You read the last half of the book of Job. He tells Job just some of his credentials. He said, I decided where the oceans are going to have their boundaries. I decided where the stars are going to have their revolutions. You read the last half of the book of Job, uh, and it's very humbling. Uh, how much farther God is ahead of us. King David it was a mere man like us, and he said, God, what is man that you're even mindful of him? Uh, why do you care? We're, we're such a small little nothing. Well, it turns out God is very concerned about every man and every woman. He's concerned about all of us. And he was also concerned about a man named Gideon in the uh, country of Israel. Uh, and I'll read a short story about Gideon to you. And it comes out of Judges. I don't have it on the overhead, but I'll read a short little quick version of it. Again, the Israelites did what the Lord said was wrong. So here they go again. Uh, so for seven years, the Lord handed them over to Midian because the Midianites were very powerful and were cruel to, cruel to Israel. The Israelites made hiding places in the mountains and in caves and in safe places. The angel of the Lord came and sat down under a tree. And I'm going to skip all these names. I can't say them. Uh, the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon and said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Then Gideon said, Sir, if the Lord is with us, why are we having so much trouble? I mean, it's chaos. He's, he's sitting there hiding in a barn. Where are the miracles our ancestors told us he did when the Lord brought us out of Egypt? But now he has left us and has handed us over to the Midianites. The Lord turned to Gideon and said, Go with your strength and save Israel from the Midianites. I'm the one who's sending you. Gideon answered, Lord, how can I save Israel? My family's the weakest in the tribe of Manasseh. It's the weakest of the twelve tribes. And I'm the least important member of my family. The Lord said, I will be with you. It will seem as if the Midianites you are fighting are only one man. Then Gideon said, Lord, if you are pleased with me, give me proof that you are really talking with me. Then Gideon said to God, you said that you would help me save Israel. I will put some wool on the threshing floor if there is dew only on the wool. But all the ground is dry then I will know that you will use me to save Israel, as you said. That's just what happened. When Gideon got up early the next morning, he squeezed the wool. He got a bowl full of water from it. Then Gideon said to God, Don't be angry with me if I ask you one more test. Please let me make one more test. Let only the wool be dry while the ground around it gets wet with the dew. And that night God did that very thing. Just the wool was dry, but the ground around it was wet with dew. Gideon went on to become a, a great warrior. He was, he was a mighty general. And he learned that day, as he did for the rest of his life, that when God is tested for his promises, he always comes through. He's all, he always fills his side of the bargain. So when we go back to our scripture in Malachi, 
you know, the Israelites are at it again. They've already forgotten God. God says, things are not going so well for you, Israel, because you're not putting me first. You're not obeying my laws. You're not giving 10% of your income to me. That's the tithe he's talking about. What is a tithe? A tithe is 10% of your income. Why isn't it 5%? Um, you know, the average Christian, the average Christian gives 2% of their income. So, so what's, what's with 10%? Uh, you know, I don't know. I really don't know. You know, why did God uh, have the Israelites under Joshua to march around the city wall of Jericho every day for six days, and then on the seventh day to march around it seven times and have seven priests blow horns, and then the wall falls down, they win the battle? Uh, really, you know, I, I think as, as a field general, that would be pretty dumb because it takes a lot of provisions for. 100,000 men, and you've got a lot to have, a, have a lot of food. You've got to have a lot of paper towels and toilet paper and all this stuff. And, and why not just go ahead for seven days? Why don't you just go ahead and go out and win the battle and get it over with? Uh, why did Naaman the leper have to go uh, dunk himself in the Jordan River seven times to get rid of his leprosy? I don't know. It's what God told him to do. And as we've, we've talked several times today about Jesus' suffering, why, why did Jesus have to suffer? You remember the movie The Passion for Christ? He suffered. And why couldn't he have had a, a sudden death like John the Baptist? He'd just get beheaded and you know, you'd still get it done. God said he wants 10%. And I, I can tell you the majority of the people out there will, will tell you that that's stupid. You know, if I, I get 10% of my income and I could put it in my 401k and I could put it in my pension fund and I could put it in my retirement, that, that would be the smart thing to do. Uh, because I can buy more stuff and I could be more comfortable in my retirement and it, it just makes better sense. I have friends that go way beyond giving the tithe of 10%. I have friends that give 20%. They give 30% of their income to the Lord every year. Now, they don't understand it all either. Uh, but, but when it comes to giving and testing God and giving, that's a slam dunk. You know, you, you do a slam dunk from any, any direction. Uh, God rewards them for the giving. He, he rewards them in their health, in their peace, in their comfort, in their fulfillment with their families. And he also uh, gives them financial blessings as well. And I would encourage you to test God in your giving, one, because he requested it, and secondly, it's a smart thing to do. Okay, that's one truth. we got, we got one more truth to go in giving. And uh, it comes in Matthew 6, 19 through 21. It says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth. Okay, stop, stop right there on that one. Isn't that exactly what we do? I mean, that, that, that's exactly what we do. And, and, you know, this convicts me as well. 
He continues, do not store up treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy or where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. This is a very simple, but it's a very powerful cultural statement. You know, if that crowd Jesus is talking to, if, if they get it, you know, if, if you and I get it, it it's going to change our lives. It's, it's, it's literally going to change our lives. Jesus says, don't store up for ourselves treasures on earth. Why not? Because treasures on earth are bad. No, treasures on earth don't last. You can't take it with you. And either your earthly treasure will leave you or you will leave it. But we will be parted from our treasures one day. So why does he tell us not to store up treasures on earth? It's, it's, it's not because it's wrong. It's because it's dumb. You know, it's just not smart. It's stupid. Can you say stupid up here? I don't he commands us to store up treasures for ourselves in heaven. So sh- should we do that? Why? First off, he said so. But it's also, it's the right thing to do because it's the smart thing to do. Storing up treasures in heaven is, is the smart thing to do. And I've got a rope here today that... I, uh, I'm sure you've noticed. Uh, I was going to use it as an illustration, but I'm going to leave it here for some of you parents, uh, for your kids uh, later on when when they get to misbehaving in church. Uh, But uh, anyway, I'm going to use this as an illustration here. And this rope starts right here, and it goes uh, off the stage, and it goes down the aisle, and, and it goes on out the building. And I want you to pretend that this rope just just keeps on going, okay? It starts here, and it, and it goes on out the back door, and it goes out the parking lot, and it goes on to Highway 84, and it just keeps on going. And it goes around the world four times. In fact, it goes on forever. And, and this rope here, it represents a timeline, a timeline of our lives. And this little red part here, it represents your time here on earth. What blows me away is all that some of the people in this world, all of us, some of us, all they can think about is this red part. It's all they can think about. It just blows me away. And they say, man, I I can't wait to get on with my life and and I'm going to earn money and I'm going to keep on earning and I'm going to travel and and I'm going to live well and and it's going to be great. It's going to be great right here. It's going to be great. Are you kidding me? What about all of this? What what are you going to do with this? The Bible teaches us that what we do And this little red line, it determines how I'm going to exist for millions and millions of years. Just this little red line determines this. 
So why, why do we, why do people spend all of our time to make ourselves comfortable and enjoy our stuff? Shouldn't we rather prepare ourselves for that moment when we cross this little line into eternity? Everybody lives that way, don't they? They, they really do. And not only here, all over the world. Everyone lives for that red part. No one's thinking about the millions and millions of years afterwards. But we know that when we give, somehow, some way, God is laying up treasures for us further down the line. Jesus said in Matthew 6, you, you can't take it with you, but you can put it further ahead. How does that work? How does that work? I, I don't know. Uh, I trust His Word. He commanded us, and I trust His commands. So when Jesus commands us to do something, He said, if you love me, you'll obey my commandments. And treasures in heaven, they're a mystery, but there's a lot of treasures that are obvious, okay? There are a lot of obvious treasures. I wanted to share one with you that I keep in a jar at my home. A friend of C.B. and I, a guy named Tony Malden, he... uh, Helps run a ministry in Mathari, Kenya for street kids and orphans. It's called Change of Life Ministry. And we decided to get involved in his ministry several years ago. And we, we sponsor several orphans. And uh, I want to read a letter from one of these orphan kids, uh, a kid named Jobton Omandi. Uh, he's a fourth grader. He says, Hi, Dr. Mark and Sylvia Martin. May I pass this sweet kiss? He, he, he puts in parentheses, moi. Summer does that a lot. She does a lot of moss. As I write this letter, I feel like this paper is not enough for me to write to thank you. I want to thank you of your support of buying me school shoes, track suit, and paying my school fees. I love you so much. Can I call you my parents? I think you will smile. I wish you were here. I wish one day... You will come to see me. Every night I must pray for you, for God to protect you and your family. If you serve others, you serve God. This is the fourth grader. That's a treasure in heaven. Um, last Sunday, all the supplies that our women had up here for the little houses in Abilene, that's treasures in heaven. Last, next Sunday, next Sunday is our annual Mission Sunday. And for over 30 years, this little church, small as we are, we've supported mission works all over the world. But we have especially concentrated on Mexico. And we support four missionary families. And those of you that have known them through the years, we have some awesome missionaries and they're, they're our family. They're not just some people we send money to. Uh, we've been blessed. We're close enough to Mexico. We know these people. And they have converted hundreds and hundreds of people in Mexico to become Christians. And then the people they convert, 
they turn around and share their Christianity with their families and their friends and their neighborhoods. So it's obvious that we are laying up treasures in heaven through our missions effort. I've got one more mystery, and, and I've, I've started thinking about this, and, and just my thought. God has an accounting process on our, on our giving. Let, let me just... Every time I lay up a treasure in heaven, in that red line, I make a deposit. Okay, I make a deposit. Paul, uh, in his, one of his mission letters, he, he was talking to the people that were financially supporting him uh, in Philippians 4 and 17. Okay. Not that I am looking for a gift, but I'm looking for what may be credited to your account. You hear those financial terms? Give, credit, account. There are a lot of verses that emphasize that God pays attention to our works and our deeds. And uh, I'm going to read just a few more of these to confuse you. And then, and then we'll go on. But starting in Romans 2, verse 6, it says, God will pay all people back for what they have done according to their deeds. Matthew 9, 41, Jesus said, Truly I tell you, anyone who gives you a cup of water in my name, because you belong to the Messiah, I tell you the truth, that person will surely be rewarded. Matthew sixteen twenty seven. For the Son of Man is going to come in His Father's glory with His angels, and He will reward each person according to what they have done, according to their deeds. Revelations 2.23, he says, I will strike her children dead. Now, he's talking about a perverse woman in the congregation at Thyatira. That's who he's talking about. He said, I will strike her children dead. Then all the churches will know that I am he who searches hearts and minds, and I will repay each of you according to your deeds. These rewards, these deeds, they, they remain a mystery uh, because uh, we're saved by grace, aren't we? We're, we're, not, we're not saved by our deeds. We, we can't work our way into heaven. We're saved strictly, completely by the work that Jesus did. We're saved by grace. But God seems to really value our works after we're saved. It appears that way. So we need to be making daily deposits into our account into heaven, into heaven's bank. Because when we die, that account closes. So we need to be making our deposits now while we're here on earth, and God's going to credit those accounts. So my question this morning is how are we doing? Are we living for the red like everybody else? Um, are we living for eternity? We're the smart people. What do smart people do with their giving? Are you laying up treasures in heaven? Are you giving God the full tithe that He requests? And that's just a lot to think about this morning. I threw a lot at you. 
But I pray the Spirit of God will, will give us eyes to see and ears to hear so that we'll be convicted in our giving. Not just for next week for our missions, but convicted from here on out. So, James, you got an invitation song?